Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now, fresh off of a fantastic week at the Oracle Indian Wells Challenger, we are joined, at least for the time being, out in California by Noah Rubin before he takes a little vacation. Noah, quarterfinalist last week, uh, good wins for you over Danilo Petrovic, Luca Pui, Raymond Sarmiento, before falling to the eventual champion, Stevie Johnson, in the quarterfinals. You've moved up about 22 spots, 25 spots in the rankings. How are you feeling? How's the bodies holding up? And, and how are you mindset-wise? Yeah, I was actually really excited. Um, right before and right after Lucas Puy's match, body was feeling tough. Oh, God. I mean, I was talking to all the players. I actually had a conversation with Foe for a while. And uh, we said these courts are super hard. Our feet were getting ripped up. We felt it. But uh, after Raymond's match, my body felt good. I was getting a lot of work done. And that's a good week for me. You know, it's uh, obviously never like losing, but sometimes you have to put it in perspective. And, you know, playing this many matches, getting the match count up pretty high, it's it's a good place to be in. I mean, make you know, make sure. That's two tournaments in a row now with four matches each tournament. That's just good for my confidence just to be out there playing, competing. Um, again, obviously tough. Stevie's playing well. He holds the trophy. And despite the incredible coaching advice I got from one random stranger during the match, hitting to his backhand mm. doesn't always work. You know, he's you know, he's had players that have done that before, if you if you can imagine. So uh but no, I'm in a good state of mind right now. I'm happy. Uh my girlfriend's here. We're staying a couple more days with Zach Mitchell as well. We're getting some work done on the behind the racket side before uh, going to Hawaii for a few days because I did not get the wild card. I was actually third wild card alternate, which basically means you're a loser. So yeah, no. we're going to Hawaii. Okay. No, you're not a loser, Noah. Stop that. Can you take the microphone off that earpiece off? Yeah, that that'll probably make too, things just a too little loud. Yeah, it's just a little bit too much. Wow. Okay. Before we go any further, we want to make sure we thank our new Patreon sponsors, Lee Levine, Lori Porter, and Steve Belsito. If you want to get involved, please go to patreon.com slash behind the racket pod. And so Lee, Lori, and Steve, thank you so much for your support. And uh, we really appreciate what you guys are doing for behind the racket. And we hope to continue to bring some more to you along the way. So you mentioned you're going to Hawaii. Um, let's talk about your schedule right now as, as you've been trying to update it in, in terms of both physical and mental health. Yeah. I mean, again, mentally with getting this many matches in, 
obviously, I it is a hit to not play neither Indian Wells or Miami. This is the first year in a very long time that I haven't had the opportunity. Um, but it is what it is. Um, I've used some of the tournaments. Obviously, I wish I would have gone further, but used some of them to the best of my ability. Got some good match counts in, and so it's okay to take a little time off, rest of the body, make sure that I am going into the new seasons, whether that's, I think my next tournament will be uh, a clay event, hard true, or a clay event, so I'm feeling good right now. Again, we're taking some time off in Hawaii, relaxing, making sure the body stays where it needs to be, and I'm ready to keep fighting, but I think the next tournament is a future. I'm trying to get into the Orlando future. So if you guys are listening to this, anybody <laughs> in charge, I would really appreciate it, which I think even, I don't want to spoil it, but maybe even Bjorn's playing. So this yeah. could be a really tricky future. Um, but again, it's in Orlando. It's just good to get in the green clay. Good to get out there um, before maybe sneaking into uh, Houston ATP. Yeah. Bjorn is on that entry list. Um, I think Ty is actually still on that entry list right now as well. Um that, that could be a really good event. Why play a futures um, when I know it's something that's really difficult for you? Yeah. Um, you know, even with these past two, three tournaments of getting some good matches in and getting some good wins in as well, you still want to keep that match count there. You still want to get that confidence there. And I think despite all the good matches I've played, continuing it and and building upon that confidence because I don't think it's at its peak or where it can be. So making sure that I'm feeling, you know, ready to go for, let's say, you know, the three tournaments in a row, hopefully uh, a French Open wild card on the table kind of thing, ready to go playing um, good tennis when that time comes. I, I've done it before. I actually played a future right before Tallahassee That's a right. couple years ago, and that gave me the title. So um, it's not my recipe for success, but I think it's a, it's a good way to start. Um, obviously no matches are easy in tennis and that's the first thing you could say, but it's good to get out there. And again, it's in Orlando. It's easy. I know where to go, you know, basically live there for a short period of time. So I think it's a good you know place to start the clay court. You know, people are going to hear, um, obviously that you're going to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't mean to sound like your parents here, um, but I think there's a little bit of uh, that. That uh, what what exactly are you doing um, with with the global concerns going on right now? Yeah, I, in my head, I'm like, yes. Does this escalate the chances of of you know catching it or or being a part of it, whatever the case may be? I live in New York. A lot of people are coming in and out. It's a really tough situation wherever you are. And I'm not stopping travel for tennis. So if I'm adding one extra trip on the list, again, does it up the percentages? I'm sure it does. But I, you know, I feel like I'm fit, young (laughs) enough that I I can um, deal with whatever comes. But I guess I could be ignorant and naive. And also the flights are $200 round trip. So, yeah, that, that also does it. So I'm not playing... You know, my mom is going to hear this. My grandparents will as well. (laughs) Everybody, I will be getting phone calls. Not like I already haven't, but they will be coming my way the fourth time around. And I'm going to have to put out those fires. But this is it. I've I've already went to Target, bought my bathing suits, and we're on our way. So this is what it is. It's We're taking, you know, I guess kind of advantage of the situation and, you know, rolling the dice, which in my head is – not that big of a role. I travel a lot already. If, if I'm going to run into it, this is not going to up the percentages. Um, I, I think a lot of people will want to know 
what the discussion was like amongst players last week in terms of the response to coronavirus and also what it could mean for you guys over the next several months as there's the real possibility of not only you know smaller events but some major events being at least affected if not postponed canceled yeah i mean you see it already uh you see asian swings gone on the challenger tour and that you see the minor changes you know the people playing in that demographic in that region they're coming over here. So you're seeing the acceptance list, the draws looking a little bit different than you normally would have. But then you look deeper into it. Then you look at the coming tournaments. You look at actually Davis Cup that was already being held with no spectators allowed to enter, um, which, you know, then I looked at some of the other Davis Cup matchups and looked the same, but that's because of tennis issues. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, you're looking, you're looking at like a, a Rome, a Masters 1000. What will happen? I mean, you're talking about tournaments, I can't give you specific numbers, that are bringing in tremendous revenue, that have a lot of players with points to defend during that time. You're talking about a staple of the year for tennis. I, I can't even fathom what could take place if they cancel it. I mean, yeah, you're looking and I'm like, oh, Jerusalem's not on the list anymore. It's being postponed or this. And that's kind of sad because I don't even have the opportunity to think about if that's a tournament I'm going to play. But that doesn't affect the world of tennis. Rome Masters 1000 will affect the world of tennis. And then you're already thinking about, wait, this is coming a little quicker than we expected. What is Miami looking like right now? You know, there's talks at Indian Wells. There's talks with player council. There's talks amongst the players. Where do we go? I mean, you know, people are making jokes left and right, but there's things happening. There's, there's talks of, you know, no towel changes, you mm -hmm. know, there's just little things like that, that they're, you know, trying to, the precautionary measures, but you take masters 1000 off the list, tennis changes. Then, you know, you start looking into total months and this is what you and I have talked about. Yeah. You look into months without tennis and a good point you brought up, you know, if somebody else doesn't have the opportunity to play a tournament and they can't get out of their country, right? But here I am in the U S and I'm able to play. Is that okay? Is that fair? Well, you know, then we start talking about human nature. I don't know. It goes into all these other discussions that, honestly, I don't think we're necessarily equipped. I don't think the people, you know, running tournaments in the ATP are equipped to make these decisions. And I think, you know, the things that we have dealt with in Australia with the smoke, that's, you know, obviously people were heavily affected, but, you know, on a, on a global scale, is is minor compared to what we're seeing right now. So again, this is this is truly unprecedented and I don't know where we go from here. Yeah, and I think this is one of those moments where I would love to be a fly on the wall of these player council meetings cuz we we should point out that John Wertheim, our guest uh, about a month ago, I guess 2 months ago now um, here on the podcast, he just reported moments ago that player council meetings are taking place as we speak. Um and, and I think it it just it has to be about that, how how these players are going to react. Again, something we've talked about a lot. There's no guaranteed money. You're looking at, at players who potentially aren't going to have the ability to earn incomes as players for a period of time. What that period of time will be, who knows? But that's the international travel thing is a really big concern of mine. Um, no, how, how yeah. we make sure that it's equitable for every player, especially you look at some of the Italians, obviously they're not going to, you know, potentially not able to go home right now. Um, they're, they're talking today about quarantining 16 million 
um, Italians in one section of the country. I, 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 on top of it, I mean, tennis pales in comparison to that. Tennis means nothing compared to that. A hundred percent. I guess, you know, again, we have to preface it and you said it twice now and I want to say it again to make sure my voice was heard as well. It means nothing compared to it. I guess the worry comes, you know, you take away how detrimental it would be to just society. Let's say this blows over in two months, mm-hmm. but then we have two months without tennis. Let's say we have canceled end of March, April into May, and then we're back to normal. You know, we have a set, you know, we, we have controlled coronavirus. It's, it's fine. What does that mean? You know, what, what are we looking at when two months, I mean, we need every dollar we can get as players as the people running the tournament, as the ATP, now you're talking, you're missing a couple of Master 1000s, maybe not prepared for the French Open. What are we looking at as a sport right now? And again, you know, we're just taking shots in the dark. We have fucking no idea what can come of this. Have yes. you been communicated with at all at this point as a player? We get updates. <laughs> um can I say they were as useful as the smoke update that we got in Australia? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of them. And I can't say this cause I don't know what's coming. And then I'm sure I've missed one or two emails. Cause after a while, to be honest, I don't look at them cause I kind of get annoyed, but I, I think it's them kind of saving their own ass, making sure that we're feel like we're getting updated quote unquote. Um, but a lot of them have just been, superficial is not the right word, but just not really giving us the information to deal with. Yeah. Wash your hands. Yeah. We get it. Thanks, man. Like, you know, watch out for this, you know, maybe not sign autographs or use your own shot. Like we've gotten all these things and we're, you know, talks at tournament, but unless you're flying the wall during these conversations, you don't really know how scared they are. You don't know what's going through their heads. Um, here we are as players in the dark. Um, and this is our way to make a living. Nobody's stopping to play a tournament. If there's a tournament on the schedule, we're going to play. I don't think a lot of players are going to use the coronavirus as an excuse to pull out from a tournament. So I think the talk has to go deeper and deeper. And But the worst part is it's not like the smoke where we know kind of what's going on. Yeah, We're just as lost as the rest of the world. So I can't even put this so far on the ATP is the smoke and then tennis Australia at the time. I think at that point, you know, we kind of knew what was going on here. We're learning with the rest of the world. Yeah. So I think that's one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with. And that's why I really can't put on the ATP because they truly have no idea. And they're, as we see canceling tournaments left and right. So they're doing, you know, what they think are necessary steps. But again, we are in such an international sport with the fan base and the players and the staff and everybody else involved being so internationally based. You know, you're looking at some of these like ultra and you're looking at all these music festivals that are, that I actually compare to let's say a master's 1000 because you're bringing around so many people from around the world and they're canceled or postponed or whatever the case may be. And here we are, we're like, Nope, we're we're still on, you know, because (laughs) without Miami or without Rome, what are we, <laughs> what are we as tennis players? You know, that's, we play, you know, we don't play for two fifties or five hundreds or challenges. We play for thousands and slams. That's it. So if you're taking those off the schedule, there's, there's no tennis. So as we're wrapping up this really difficult, um, 15 all here, what will you do? I mean, how, how are you preparing for both the 
Best case scenario, as you mentioned, playing futures down in, in Orlando and then preparing for the green clay challengers. And then the worst case where you're not able to play for say two, three months. You know, I think I'm fortunate in this category is that, you know, something, you know, what do you and I have built, what I have built with my team as well. You know, we have behind the racket, mm -hmm. you know, we have the podcast, we have all this stuff that I'm working towards and that could be as irrelevant as tennis in, you know, a few months, we don't know, but I am, I, I work towards so many different things that you're telling me I have two months off from tennis. I'm still going to be extremely busy. Yeah. Maybe the contact between humans might be different, whatever yeah. the case may be, but I'm still working towards a lot. You, I'm talking to a lot of people and, you know, if I don't see them pick up a racket, I couldn't even guess what the fuck they'd be doing. <laughs> I couldn't even guess. So you're talking two months without tennis and, you know, they have a family to support and they have all this other stuff. Like, yeah, I'm not really making money from behind the racket, but we're really working hard towards something that can hopefully build that it's tennis or nothing for a lot of these other people. And then the sponsors within tennis, they can leave so quickly, you know, and especially for tournaments and, and I can see it for players as well, you know, some type of stipulation that, you're not playing for a few months, whatever the case may be. We don't need you. And why would we need to be a part of this? We have our own concerns to worry about um, with coronavirus and our own business. So we, we're leaving this. Again, I think this is something that we haven't seen before. Yeah. Can take, you know, if we're worried about the first step, I think we should be worried about the third step. And what does that mean for, you know, everything else going on? I think tennis, podcast, everything else becomes irrelevant once one thing does. Um, again, shots in the dark all the way through. So I think I what's, know. what's really interesting though, is, is the, the issues you and I are having here, not, not obviously the health concerns you and I are, even if we do catch it, we're in pretty good health, most likely the two of us, mm -hmm. um, there are going to be people who are in much worse circumstances there, but the circumstances you and I could go through financially it's what a lot of people, I think, you know, worldwide are, are dealing with those same fears of, am I going to have a job in a couple of months? How is the economy going to, to be once we get through this in 12 to 18 months after the, a vaccine is set? And I think that's what makes this very relatable, um, again, for, for players without those huge money sponsors who have gotten, you know, tons of money saved in the bank. And I think that's what makes it um, such a relatable situation for, for a lot of people. No, it's scary. And I think a lot of people, when they think apocalypse, that's a terrifying word. But when they think that word, they think, you know, meteor, meteors, you know, falling from the sky and floods and whatever else. But like, it takes one step to just ruin society. Yeah. And then mayhem and all of, and just and true chaos forming that, you know, you see something like this that is putting millions and millions and millions and millions of people out of work. Then society crumbles and who are we, you yeah. know, then it comes to that point. So I think, you know, this is probably not something I should, I have any credentials speaking over, but it's terrifying. It really is because you see how fragile things can get, even when it's on a smaller scale, but you, you talk about international scale and then all these other things get put to the side. Uh, you know, you talk about, you know, race or gender equality and all this other, and now we're just like, what do we do so everybody can live? <laughs> Yeah. And I think it kind of puts things in perspective. You're like, holy fuck, like, you know, shut the hell up. Like, who yeah. cares about whatever else is going on? Right. Let's just make sure we're taking the right measures to, uh, you know, be okay in the end. Um, 
to put it into a tennis uh, uh, trivia for you here, can you name the eight players if every tournament were now canceled between now and the Nitto ATP finals? Can you name the eight players who would be in the year-end finals right now? I didn't even know they took eight players to the finals. Uh, yeah. Uh, Nadal, Djokovic, Medvedev. No. No, I didn't mean Medvedev. Oh, sorry. Um, Sissipas. Yes. Not Zverev. Yes. God damn it. Um, Monfils. Two, three, five, and six. Monfils. Monfils is number three. Okay. Um, Aussie Open finalist. Who got to the finals of Aussie Open? Dominic Team. Good for him. Yes. I forgot to congratulate him. Andre Rublev. Rublev is in there. And Christian Garin. The golden swing. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, uh, please have a fantastic time in Hawaii, all right? Yeah, I just, you know, just, just a tan. Okay. You know, if, if that's it, if that's all I get. And then I really hope my last tournament in the world is not a future. Okay. Yeah. Have a good time. <laughs> and I'm happy you're getting in better shape. Yeah. Uh, three and a half yeah. miles run today. Impressive. And yeah. only two of that was in a car. Okay. Bye. <laughs> the show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at Noah Rubin 33 at Mike C. Tennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.